0: Hello and welcome to the Wellness Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Taff, and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Sarah Doyle, founder of The Better Life Project. Sarah helps her clients improve their confidence and their self-belief. She teaches you tools for when you lack clarity and need some motivation, and this episode is packed with really helpful tools and tips that I know you're going to benefit from. If you enjoy, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review and subscribe to the podcast because it really helps it grow. And if you know anyone that might benefit from it, to pass it along to them. Let's get into the episode. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm so grateful that you're giving me your time just to have a chat. And I suppose before we get into it, if you could give us a bit of an introduction about what you do and tell us a bit about um, your business, The Better Life Project, I'm sure everyone would be interested
1: to hear some something about you. I would be delighted to. Robin, it's an absolute pleasure to be here on the podcast. So thank you for asking me. So a little bit about myself. My name is Sarah. I'm a life coach. I've been coaching for 10 years and I have been running my coaching business, The Better Life Project, for eight and a half. So I've been around quite a while. The work that I do is, is mainly around helping people to identify their goals, figure out their strengths. Basically, I try to help people figure out where they want to go and how they need to get there. But it's the where and the how of my work that's really, for me, exciting because I get to help people to improve their confidence, to improve their self-belief, to strengthen the relationship they have with themselves. I get to work with them to help them transform their relationship to fear because it's it's the why and the how. It's why we want to do something, but how we can get there. And what stops us from having clarity over what we want, or what stops us from taking steps to getting to where it is that we want to go. So as a life coach, my job is to help you basically get from A to B and understand what's holding you back from getting to A to B. I love talking about red shoes, and I say the word fabulous quite a lot. So very naturally over the last number of years, (laughs) my work has almost... Um, exclusively being with women um, to help them to achieve the levels of confidence that that they've always dreamed of having, that they think that they need in order to create highly successful careers and these wonderful lives that they want to jump out of bed for.
0: Yeah, I love that, and I actually did a poll um, on Instagram just before um, we're sitting down to have this chat, and. I asked people, Do they struggle with their confidence and their self belief and it was a resounding yes, like constant yes votes coming in, and I know it's something like that I think all of us struggle with, and a big part of kind of what I want to make this podcast about and what I, I what I speak about is trying to give people their power back, and I think you do that by giving them the skills and the tools to as you said get from where they are to where they want to be because like you can go on google and you can get information for anything absolutely anything but oh, it's yeah. actually oh. doing it it's the doing that is the hardest part um and yeah so I have some juicy questions and I know like it'll it's going to help me and I know that you guys listening have um been kind of wondering a lot of these as well so I suppose the first bit is just about like self-criticism and I suppose just being so critical of ourselves, how, if you have a client come into you that's like, look, I'm really self-critical and it's holding me back and I don't know how to change that dialogue,
1: where do you get them to start? So when I work with people to help them to improve their confidence, I help my client to understand that she's lacking in confidence for five for one of five main reasons or as many as five main reasons a lack of experience and skills now experience and skills are straightforward enough to try to manage we enroll in a course we read a book we upskill we we can do that with greater ease than we can any of the three other areas which is harsh self-judgment excessive expectations and a preoccupation with fear and as soon as I say excessive expectations, harsh self-judgment, preoccupation with fear, my clients go, yeah, I, I totally get this. This is why I lack in confidence. So it's not because anything in our outer world is off place. It's because our inner world is imbalanced. There's good things going on there but we don't pay attention to those good things because that inner critic is telling us everything that we should have, everything that we don't have. It's telling us what Karen has and that we need it as well. And that voice, like I don't know about you, Robin, but that voice for me, that voice for me is really subtle. So my inner critic isn't going to turn around to me one day and go, Sarah, you're a fat bitch, lose weight. My inner critic isn't going to talk to me like that. She's really subtle. She's sending me um, messages like little, little pinpricks every now and again going, Sarah, you should really know more than this. And, and it's quite gentle sometimes. Like she's she's full of sass, my inner critic. Sarah, you should really know this. Sarah, this should be a little bit better. This isn't the right standard, Sarah. You, you can't publish that, Sarah. You can't talk about that, Sarah. And I think for a lot of us, that's what we can identify with so first of all we need to start to get familiar with that voice that inner critical voice I think that's one of the most important steps that we need to take so the starting point to support anyone overcome their inner critic is to first of all be able to name her to identify the voice our inner critic will vary in intensity and in frequency depending on who the person is or the situation that we're in but she's there and just because she's not calling you a fat bitch doesn't mean that the voice doesn't exist so it's really important that we take some time to try to understand when that disempowering voice is present. So that's step number one. And depending on who I'm working with, I might suggest that we write it down. I might suggest that we start to document what this narrative, this voice, this dialogue is. Once we can name it, we can then take steps towards healing it. But we cannot heal what we cannot name. Now, I'm a bit kooky. And I love some practices by CBT. So one of the things that I often do is ask my clients to name their inner critic, to actually give her a name. Occasionally, my client's inner critic is a male, but more often than not, it's a girl. And I say, name her, but you can't name her something like Cruella DeVille or Stupid Face it has to be a mature grown-up name Mm. and you can't name her after a teacher who was really mean to you or an auntie that you just don't like so it has to be again a mature grown-up name so it could be a Samantha it could be a Karen it can be Juanita and the reason that we're naming her is, is in order to empower us to separate it to separate that inner critical voice from Our life from our day from what it is that we're trying to do because we are not our fear we are not our anxiety we are not our doubt or insecurity it's a part of us but we are not defined by it and when we can have a grown-up conversation with our inner critic Juanita I see that you're feeling really afraid right now what do you need in this moment Juanita to be okay That sort of conversation promotes self-compassion, curiosity, and a level of maturity that we need as women and men, if there's any men listening to this, how are you guys, in order to overcome, to turn the volume down in our inner critic, because here's the thing, your inner critic is not a bad person, she's not mean, she's not Cruella de veil. She represents an underdeveloped part of you. When you were 6, 10, 15 or 20, you heard something, you were told something and you didn't have the cognitive ability to process what happened to you in that moment. And you have taken that memory, that story, that experience with you. So as the grown ass 30, almost seven year old woman that I am today, I don't want to view my eyes through the lens of that six year old who was told that she was fat in school. I'm not interested in doing that anymore. Mm. But just because my inner critic can't let go of that doesn't mean that she's wrong or stupid. It just means that she's hurting and she's in pain. So name her. If you can't name it, you can't heal it. Then give her an actual name. And then the next time that you notice that she's getting quite loud and jittery, Acknowledge her feelings, validate her, recognize her because what she needs in that moment more than anything else is to feel seen and heard. So that's what I would do. I love that. And it's funny when you said there about the
0: inner critic and our voices sounding quite different. I am very aware of mine after kind of doing a bit of work like that to kind of to separate myself from it, and mine would be very harsh. So it's just like straight to the point, kind of mean. But like that, I think one of the the biggest lessons for me was learning that I am not my thoughts. Yes. So I'm the observer. So like that, mm-hmm. to have that separation where I'm like, it's that's not me. and And actually a lot of what my mind says is not true. Majority of what it says is not true. But I think for years I was missing that piece of, meeting it with compassion and with um i suppose like curiosity i kind of would just ignore it and just keep pushing and pushing and going on and going on and that it just made it a whole lot worse it made it a lot harder because i never acknowledged it and i never stopped i was like okay why why is it like this like why why do i speak to myself so harshly and yeah, I love that. That really got me
1: thinking. When I'm working with someone or if I'm just having a conversation with someone and they go, oh, I'm the least confident person that you'll ever meet. In my mind, I'm going, okay, so your identity is a lack of confidence. That's how you identify as a woman. But that's not what confidence is. When we look at the science of confidence, we can understand that it's domain specific and it's, it's skill based it's our trust in ability in it's our trust in our ability to perform something to do something and if you've never done that before then yeah duh you're not going to have any confidence that's that's normal that's nothing nothing that we should be afraid of so it's not that we are confident or that I am unconfident it's that I have now my English is going to be really poor here but I have unconfidence I'm, I am not unconfident. I I am not a person who lacks in confidence. There are skills in my life where I lack confidence in. And I think it's such an important distinction to make. You are not an individual who is um, low in confidence. You are an individual who has low confidence in certain areas of your life. The difficulty is the areas in life where we want to be confident in are romanticized because of social media and the world that we live in. We think that in order to be confident, we need to stand up in front of a stage and talk to 500 people. We need to walk out wearing the most powerful, bright, vibrant red suit. We need to command authority wherever we go. And yeah, that's great, but that might not be your brand of confidence. So let's let that go and let's work towards something that does work for you so I think that's an important thing to remember you might identify as as someone who doesn't have any confidence but if you can let go of that story and embrace the very real fact that you are a person who has confidence it's just not a confidence that you value the things that you do day in and day out, you don't value that stuff anymore because it's not sexy or it's not Instagram worthy. It's not the red suit speaking in front of 500 people. It's not walking into a room and everyone going, oh my God, Robin is here. What is she going to say? That's that's what we value. That's what we think is sexy. That's what we want. But it's not always going to be your brand of confidence. So I think that we need to look at that narrative a little bit. Confidence is domain specific you do every day that will demonstrate to me that you have confidence and every one of us can become more confident
0: like as you said it's a skill it's not something that you don't have or you have you you can improve on it and you can learn skills to help you feel more confident yeah Yeah. Yeah. absolutely yeah and I found I found one thing for me that really helped was once I left college and I started going into different jobs and got experience in different areas I started to realize that like I went in as someone who I was like I don't deserve to be here I don't really know what I'm doing I felt quite small and and no confidence in myself but as you said that grows when you spend a bit of time there but I also learned that even the CEO and even the the biggest people in the business, the highest people in businesses, the people who've been working there for years, nobody knows fully what they're doing, like nobody is a hundred per cent perfect or one hundred per cent there's always an element of I feel like in every area of life of winging it and to remind yourself that mm-hmm. you feel that way, but also they did too, and they still do in some areas. And I kind of, I got a lot of, especially when I was working as a nurse and there was a load of different skills and stuff that I'd have to learn and in new environments and stuff, it could be really intimidating when you start. But I kind of tried to reassure myself with that, that I'm like, they've been here before. They also are still there sometimes when they're in a new environment. And once you get into the flow, you do, you get that bit of a pep in your step and you're like, no, I'm actually fine. I can do this.
1: Yeah. Confidence is born from repetition. So Literally 99% of the time, it's very rarely about confidence. It's about courage. So you wanting to improve your skill set in a particular part of your life, been the idea of confidence for a moment because you have to earn the confidence that you're wishing for. What you need in that moment is courage. What you need is is the 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 simple get up and go muscle. And that's courage. And that's the really hard part. And But then when you develop that get up and go muscle, that courage, still been the idea of confidence because like I said confidence is earned and in order for you to earn it you're gonna have to excuse my french fuck up a few times you're going to have to make some mistakes so what do you do when you make a mistake you have to stand back up again how do I stand back up again compassion self-compassion so very rarely do I ever just look at confidence when Uh, hoping or not hoping when um working with someone to to improve a skill set it's courage let's get that get up and go muscle exercised you've fallen down brilliant compassion how can you soothe yourself would you say what you're saying right now to a friend if she was experiencing the same thing that you were and if the answer is no then why the hell are you saying it to yourself so courage compassion and then you've earned the right to talk about confidence and
0: I suppose then if it very much links in with fear as well, then doesn't it? Because, mm-hmm. like, I kind of I look at myself, and sometimes like I could have a really good idea, and sometimes I'm like, oh my god, I know this would help people, and it's so good, and I might start, and kind of sit down, and I'll be planning, and I'll be kind of doing all my stuff on my spreadsheet, and all the the the, the time putting mm-hmm. it, my thoughts onto a page, and there be a bit of momentum, but then fear kicks in and i stop and i always call it like stop start momentum so i'll start and then i'll get afraid and fear will kick in and then i'll stop and i don't get mm-hmm. anywhere i kind of just get stuck in that that cycle of okay this is a great idea oh but i'm not really good enough like there's someone better than me or i couldn't do this so mm-hmm. no i'm just going to stop now
1: are you a bit of are you a bit of a perfectionist
0: yes oh my god
1: so that to me is your inner critic and it's subtle and it's not as as hard hitting as, as it has been as you've described before but that's your inner critic and she's afraid of something and she's afraid that if the standard isn't perfect then it's not going to be liked it's not good enough um and it's it's that that relationship that we have to fear for so many of us it is a stop start relationship and I I don't know why this has happened it's the, the the same with success and failure it's so black and white success is good failure is bad fear is bad we need to avoid things that are bad but my god that bad that society has conditioned us to think is is that, that fear or failure that society has conditioned us to think is bad. My God, that's actually the best space that you can be in if you want to grow. Yeah. It's intimidating as hell, but it is the best space that you can be in to grow. If I have an exciting idea or a project that I want to launch, I have about 25% of the project kind of ironed out in my head and then I launch it. Mm-hmm. And that's because for me, probably one of the most developed projects, parts of my relationship to myself is or the most resilient part of my relationship to myself is and I hope this is going to make sense I'm not afraid of failing Mm. at all because I have failed oh my god I have failed beautifully like talk about face planting in front of everyone that you thought like I was talking at an event once And this is just something small, but like, you couldn't make this shit up. I was talking at an event once and a glass of water was on the edge of the table and I turned around and I knocked it over with my ass. Like, how do you explain that to a room full of people? (laughs) How do you, sorry, I love one too many squats in the gym. Like, how do you explain that to people? I have launched stuff that has just flopped. I have failed beautifully, but I'm not afraid of it because that fear for me is a good thing. It shows me that I'm doing something that I care about and that there's something that I can learn from. And for me, that's the beauty of trying to understand why it's so important that we change our relationship to fear, not try to eliminate it in the first place. So the next time that I do something that I'm afraid of or someone listening to this podcast does something that they're afraid of, again, inner critic, how are you, Anita? What's up? Mm. What are you afraid of? Be curious about that because The fear is the thing that we can see. It's the tip of the iceberg. But unless we're curious, we will never, ever get to the root cause of that, which is a tendency that we have to be perfect is born from a belief that showing up as we are isn't enough. Mm. And why aren't we enough as we are? So again, it's the fear isn't the problem. It's the relationship that we have to the fear. That's the problem. So when my client says that they're afraid, I go, good, lean into it, love, Mm. lean into it. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but that's where we're going to grow.
0: Yeah. So for anyone listening then, because I know that they can definitely relate to to having goals and then that fear kicking in and just getting stuck and not being able to take any action. It is about changing their relationship with that fear
1: yeah but it's the how we change the relationship to it because this is this is the thing that we see an awful lot especially because of social media when someone says oh you just got to believe in yourself more you're going yeah okay I'll believe in myself more and then we've gotten over the initial flurry of excitement going yeah the only thing that I need to do is believe in myself more the only thing I need to do is to move past my fear so we've gotten over that initial excitement and then we're going but how do I do that? Mm. How how do I move in spite of my fear? Because that's where all the bloggers and influencers kind of stop. They, they don't tell you how. Because yeah. telling your, someone saying you need to believe in yourself more, that's wonderful advice. And it's like literally 99% of the advice out there. But it's the how piece that's really important. So for example, if you have a fear of public speaking, like a, a phobia of public speaking, or you just don't like it, first of all you don't have to like it. you don't have to be good at the things that you're afraid of and you don't have to like the things that you're afraid of either so let's change our mindset around that first. But sometimes if we're in a role that needs that requires us to speak publicly or to use our voice quite a bit in meetings we just have to get comfortable with the idea of it. So what I always do with my clients or my students is to support them to create a fear ladder. So it's a graduated and um, a gradual approach or graduated exposure approach towards that fear. So the scariest thing is at the top. Speaking in front of a room full of 100 people. If we look at that ladder, it's made up of however many rungs you want, but let's say it's made up of 5 rungs. At the top speaking in front of 500 people or 100 people. At the first step of that ladder is talking in front of your roommate, reading an extract of a book, what reading a paragraph of a book every evening in front of your roommate until it doesn't scare you anymore Mm. until you're desensitized to it i want you to imagine that you have a fear of spiders there's a spider just above this little section and of course it would be there of course i hate spiders of course the spider would be here we have this beautiful vegetable patch um raised raised vegetable garden outside the house and the there's a little section at the end of that vegetable patch that we made for my son Billy just to play with because he loves mud of course and he loves diggers and he loves playing around so it's a little monkey section for him but just above that section there's a big gap with the world's biggest spider now that's a complete exaggeration but it's the biggest spider I've ever seen in Ireland and I've lived in Australia and I've done the huntsback spiders and they're huge and they're gross and I just it's and of course it would be there right above where my son plays even thinking about the spider now, you can tell that I'm talking a little bit faster I'm feeling, I'm feeling quite uncomfortable. But when that spider pops out and I see it, old Sarah, who was afraid of her fear, would have run away from that spider. But new Sarah, who's trying to change her relationship to fear, will stop and stare at the spider. I'll just look at it. And that's the same approach that we need to take with public speaking. Read that extract of that book in front of your roommate until that doesn't scare you anymore. Look at that spider, Sarah, doesn't, until it doesn't scare you anymore. And then you can move to the next rung of your ladder. Um, ask if you can um, read the minutes out at a work meeting, last week's work meeting. And you're just reading from a page in front of people. And keep on doing that until that doesn't scare you anymore. And then put your hand up at the work meeting to make a comment or to um, compliment or reinforce or acknowledge what someone else has said. But you stay on each rung of the ladder until it doesn't scare you more anymore that's how we overcome our fear by breaking it down into smaller more manageable fears and sitting with it until it doesn't scare us as much anymore and when we can take that approach towards managing our fears we're changing our relationship to it by learning how we can live with our fear and not in fear of that fear does that make sense that's so good instead of like throwing
0: yourself off a cliff and doing like the big thing at the start and then you end up being so Mm -hmm. in fear that you're like I'm never doing that again and it's just too much to break it down makes so much sense and I even think of it and like little things like from the time I did my first blood test I would I was literally sweating from everywhere I was shaking I was like oh my god can I kill someone by doing this I was so scared but then to progressing and Again, you just, I could now do it and it doesn't even enter my mind what I'm doing. It's just, you 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 have that skill and th- there's no lack of confidence or anything there. So
1: I love that. And it's- We can take a really similar approach towards um, people who might have tendencies to over-prepare, over-plan or feel like something needs to be perfect. If I'm talking to a perfectionist, for example, um, quite often their tendencies for perfectionism at work can also translate or also manifest in other areas of their life, such as their appearance. So I might suggest to a client that she doesn't iron her shirt or she wears odd socks or she wears her jumper inside out or uh, she wears mismatched earrings. And whilst someone might perceive those things to be no big deal, if you're a perfectionist, I'm asking you to do something very imperfectly, intentionally. That's that really catches people off guard and they go, no, I, I, I can't do that. And I'm going, why is how you show up just as yourself, not enough that you need perfect earrings in order to feel like you are more valuable or worthy in this world. Because if you do think that, then you have to do this exercise. You have to give yourself permission to show up imperfectly so that you can start to realize just how enough you actually are so if we're looking at spreadsheets that need to be 100% perfect before we launch projects look at ways that we can reduce the amount of columns and rows in that spreadsheet that need to be filled out before we give ourselves permission to actually launch the thing it's about taking really small steps our comfort zone whilst it's described by many as a poisonous resting place is actually really important part of our goal setting journey we need to be able to retreat back to our comfort zone in order to rest and recharge but as long as we're spending enough time in our growth zone we can rest assured that work is being done I as a coach do not advocate for jumping into your panic zone I'm all about these small measured and manageable steps I think if someone's asking you to jump into your panic zone they need to they need to hold a fricking air cushion for you just in case you retreat backwards and they need to have a nice glass of wine for you just in case things don't go wrong. It's for a lot of people or a bottle. Yeah. Jesus. (laughs) For a lot of people, the reason why we get stuck in, it could be procrastination or fears because we have a really bad experience of moving too quickly, getting really freaked out, really stressed, really scared, highly anxious because it didn't go the way that we wanted that we just can't imagine going back there again and that's because we went from comfort to panic way too fast we went from comfort to panic at all we need to go comfort growth comfort comfort growth comfort
0: yeah that's so good Mm. it
1: makes so much sense yeah it does and no one no one talks about it like that like I'm literally if I see another person go you just got to believe in yourself more I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna shake my phone (laughs) Tell me how to believe in myself more. Stop telling me to be afraid. Fear is not a bad thing. We need fear. It shows us that we are moving and growing. And as human beings, if we're serious about happiness and success, we have to move and grow. So don't tell me that fear is a bad thing. Fear is magical. Just change your relationship to it by using a fear ladder or graduated exposure um, approach towards it.
0: Yeah, and like you were saying there about Instagram and stuff, I suppose we can look at, like, from my perspective, um, my, my husband, we have a, a business, and you kind of look at kind of other businesses or people who are really successful, and you're like, just make it look so easy, like... Oh. I don't know if they had this shit going on when they were growing their business and like you're mid crisis trying to figure out like all the learning stuff that comes with it but I love listening to podcasts and I was listening to an episode of Stephen's The Diary of a CEO and it was with the the owner and founder of Soho House and I had it on and the whole podcast he was literally Mm -hmm. just talking about all of these massive hurdles and things that I can only imagine were like you said outside of its comfort zone and it was really nice I suppose to keep bringing us like I said to to my husband as well I was like you have to listen to this like kind of start filling your mind up with evidence that this is normal that all of this stuff the struggles and mm-hmm. and the fears and stuff it's all part of it and that what you see on Instagram or you just see the finished project or you might see only the good stuff and that in fact there's a whole lot of stuff under the surface that you you just don't see but it's there
1: yeah yeah i don't know why we're so so programmed to think i think it's school i, I always i blame the leaving cert and yeah. our school system here in ireland for for <laughs> a lot of why we are so afraid of failure and so afraid to talk about our failure because it is honestly it is the birthplace of success it is the birthplace of change and if we can't take very deliberate steps towards changing that relationship to fear and to failure then we'll always be stuck we'll always feel like we don't have what it takes to do the next thing people who help us to normalize failure and to normalize fear are my kind of people. They're, they're good people.
0: Yeah. And that I've, that's what we were only talking about. It's like, it's so helpful to fill your, what you you're consuming with people who do normalize it and who do talk about the the downs as well as the ups and don't make it out that it was just this really easy journey because for 99.9% of people, there is a lot more then mm-hmm. the the easy the fun mm-hmm. bits and the 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 constant going up like it's literally like up and down like a roller yeah, coaster and really i think the same with play. any goal
1: oh yeah and especially if it's a kind of a big hairy scary goal like i do i do a bit of work with leaders and high up people in organizations and things like that and and the goals that we're working on together they're big hairy scary goals um, so 75% of the work isn't really about programming the goal it's about preparing your mindset it's about looking at that relationship to fear to f- to failure um, judgment rejection um, uh, perfectionism procrastination all that sort of juicy stuff but the more people that we have going I am afraid or um, I procrastinate or I overthink the more that we can normalize that uh, the, and the, I guess the easier it is then to feel like you're not alone anymore because so many of us just feel so alone most of the time with that fear so many of us just feel alone in our thoughts and when we realize that we're not alone in those thoughts anymore it's a hell of a game changer
0: yeah yeah and that that brings me to the couple of questions that um people asked about procrastinating and one of them was why do we procrastinate over the things that we know would help us but we don't do them so for example I know I should go to the gym I will feel so much better I will have more energy it'll help my
1: mind but I still don't go Mm -hmm. yeah that is by its very nature or by, by its very definition procrastination So. It sounds like the person who might be asking that question thinks that they're lazy and they're trying to understand why they feel lazy. There's a really important distinction between laziness and procrastination. Procrastination is knowing that by not doing something, you will be experiencing a negative result or a negative outcome, but still not doing it anyway. So By its very definition that is procrastination. Quite often, procrastination is very deeply rooted into the person's um, perceived sense of worth or value. So again, what we see at the tip of the iceberg is procrastination, but what's underneath is their feelings of worth or value, it's their self-esteem. There are some really practical steps that we can take towards helping um, individuals overcome procrastination, but if those practical steps don't work after very, very deliberate um, action, then The self-esteem piece is becoming really, really important. So a couple of things that we can look around procrastination is our to-do list. So if we have goals in our to-do list, so if you're a student, for example, um, if you are a working mom who's also in college and on your to-do list on a Monday morning, you have finish report, organize meeting and um, uh, pick out, uh, find a new dentist for my son. Anyone is going to look at that to-do list. And just brain fart because Mm. my God, that's a huge to-do list. A report, a meeting and a new dentist, like they're really big goals. So we need to replace goals with tasks. So rather than organize meeting, um, we will say, um, create a doodle poll, with three different options and identify five people that need to come to the meeting or it would be book a room for the meeting. We need to identify tasks. And when we can do five small, small tasks every day, by Friday, the meeting will be organized. But our brain on a Monday morning, looking at those three big goals is going, now nah, love this isn't gonna happen mm-hmm. i'm still on weekend mode so we need to be a lot kinder and a lot gentler to our brain we need to make sure that it understands that we're an ally we're a friend not an enemy and um, so procrastination stop putting goals in your to-do list put very small manageable tasks down on it instead and um, set aside a specific amount of time required for each task 20 minutes 30 minutes 40 minutes um and then try to reduce the amount of things that you have on your task on your on your to do list. If you notice that you're starting to get quite distracted, take a break there and then go outside, get a cup of fresh get a cup of fresh air, get a cup of water, get some fresh air, do a little bit of mindfulness, just take a break for 5 minutes. Remove yourself from the task. Don't try to overwork your procrastination. Take a pause. If it's a self-esteem thing, if it's something that we feel quite afraid of, what we need to look at is something that's quite interesting. For many of us, until the pain of remaining the same becomes greater than the pain of change, we'll very rarely ever do anything to bring about that change that we desire. For a lot of people who procrastinate, The pain or the risk of not doing something is still not as great as the perceived pain or risk of doing the thing and it not going well. So, when we procrastinate, even though we have the most beautifully curated to do list and we're still procrastinating, ask yourself, Well, what am I afraid of will happen? If I complete this task or if I don't complete this task, and is that pain greater or less than where I am right now? And until that pain of remaining where you are is greater than the perceived pain of change, that's when the magic will happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it really does. It makes so much
0: sense. And it's it ties into the whole, how do I stop saying, I'll do this when? So I'll do that when. I'm thinner I'll do that when I'm fitter I'll do that when I've read this book or when I'm using the when to procrastinate is that that's what we're doing
1: I don't know if I I'd, 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 I don't know if I would I would say procrastinate yeah maybe I would that, that to me is 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 um i kind of refer to it as like conditional based living conditional based like contingent self-esteem is what the psychologists refer to it as um i as as a life coach it's something that i see all of the time it's something so i had uh, my son three and a half in 2019 he was an 11.5 pound baby so he was huge and my body yeah, massive. Um, I had really bad pelvic girdle pain on Billy from 23 weeks onwards. So as someone who was a avid crossfitter, competitive powerlifter, I went from doing all of the sport and activity to doing almost nothing because of how bad my pelvic girdle pain was. So my body changed quite dramatically after childbirth, but I showed myself grace and compassion. And then I got pregnant again. And from 10 weeks onwards, I had such bad pelvic girdle pain with my daughter, Daisy, that I was convinced I would end up in a wheelchair. My pelvic girdle pain at 10 weeks was worse with Daisy than it was with Billy at 39 weeks, at 40 weeks, and at 41 just before I gave birth. So my body completely transformed. Um, I had another very big baby. She was 10 pounds, 14. So my tummy stretched. So when I see my tummy, I kind of go, I I shudder a little bit when I look at it because I just don't like the way that it looks at all. But I love my tummy for what it does. I love my tummy for what it represents. I love my tummy because it was the first home that my children have ever known. And I've been on a journey with my body. Everything from eating disorders to miscarriages. I can check all of those boxes. Mm. So when I look at exercise, when I look at my body I think what we need to be able to remember is that we don't need to. I am struggling trying to remember why I'm talking about this, Robin.
0: (laughs) So when we go, I will do this when I'm fitter or
1: when I'm thinner. Okay, so I will look at that tummy of mine, that, that home to my children. And I don't like the way that it looks. And I don't like the way that I look in swimming togs. But I am not, and I say this with absolute certainty, ever going to allow how I feel about my body to prevent me from living my life. And the fact that I can say that now at 36 years of age, if you asked me at 15 or 18 or 21, if I would ever have that belief, the answer would have been not a chance in hell. I hid my legs for about eight years because I thought they were too big and I shouldn't show them off. If there is something that you are saying you can only do when or if, I promise you, you can get to the when or you can have the if and it will still never, ever be enough for you. Mm -hmm. If you want to wear the togs but you think you can only wear the swimming togs when you lose 10 pounds, the joy, the fulfillment, The overwhelming pride that you will experience by putting the goddamn togs on now, taking your ass to a beach, allowing yourself to feel the sun on your skin, the sea salt in between your toes. Nothing, nothing will ever beat that. Mm -hmm. You could lose the 10 pounds and you'll go, yeah, okay." But by giving yourself permission to live as you are today. It's scary as hell but it's incredibly rewarding. So whether or not it's the, I'll be happy when I have a husband, I'll be happy if I get a promotion, I'll be happy when I get this bag, when I have that car, when I have this many followers on Instagram. You've basically said what your happiness is, but you are denying yourself the opportunity to pursue it. Because what? When you die, you're going to wake up and have a new life where you get to live and not make the same mistakes again no that's that's not how this works that's not how this game of life works you get one and you live it now today because it is your only one that you get to live so put on the togs be happy now you want kids don't wait for him Mm -hmm. if you want the house um Get a beautiful corner in your room with a fantastic sofa from Ikea. Look around that room and go, I did this. I got this with my one salary. I was able to create this magnificent home. We can do the things. It's hard. I'm not taking away from that. My God, I've been through a hell of a journey with joy and happiness and and all of the things in between. I know what it's like to want. I really do. Mm. When you just give yourself permission to feel gratitude for what you have. And to pause the ifs and the whens and the buts. I think that's when we can really start to live. I think that's when we can really start to open ourselves up to the joy that's basically knocking on the door, going, right here, waiting for you, Sarah. The black togs, I've laid it out for you. Are you really going to say you'll only wear me when you lose 10 pounds? Yeah. That's so powerful. It's one life. Yeah.
0: It's, it's so life. powerful. And I actually I only I put a post up yesterday, but um I saw this kind of gratitude journal prompt where it was like imagine if tomorrow you only wake up with the things you said thank you for today and after spending like a couple of weeks focusing on what was missing and getting annoyed because things weren't going my way or according to my timeline it literally just slammed me back down to earth and I was like oh my god Robin what are you doing like? And I actually asked myself that I was like, what would I wake up with tomorrow? And I was like, you'd wake up with nothing because all you're doing is is focusing on what you don't have. And I sat just for 10 minutes. And well, it was actually ended up being much longer because I just kept on riding. But I just did a gratitude list. And it just it, it completely switched how I was feeling and where my mind was at. And I woke up this morning, I was like, oh, wow, that funk is gone. Yeah,
1: the science of gratitude is is pretty incredible. Like it's 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 mind boggling how something so simple can have such an incredible impact on us. But when we look at, at at so the reason why a lot of us feel unhappy is because our expectations of how we think our life should be doesn't match up with the reality of how our life is. And and what's the the, the missing piece there? Expectation and, and gratitude. Are in the wrong order. We need to feel gratitude for how our life is. And then everything else is, you know, a nice added added bonus. And don't get me wrong, you know, it's okay to want things. It's okay to want a paycheck, um, a, a higher paycheck. It's okay to want a nice car. It's okay to want a nice house. I don't deny anyone what they want or what they desire, but where are you coming from? That to me is the most important thing. Where are you coming from? What is your starting point? Because if your starting point is um, is scarcity, is fear, is loss or pain, or anything around a lack of gratitude or appreciation for for what you um, don't have or what you have, then. I don't believe that the pay rise, the bag, the cars, the shoes are, are ever going to be enough for people, for, for me. And I can, I can I can put myself into this as well. Mm-hmm. I've, I want for a lot of things as well, but sometimes you really just need to sit down like you did and have an honest conversation with yourself and go, well, what do I actually have? And have yeah. I been grateful enough for that? Why do I feel like I want more? I read a while ago, trade expectation for appreciation and you'll win every time so the next time that you expect that you should and again expectation and should are kind of dirty words almost but the next time that you expect that you should have something ask yourself what it is that you already have sit with that gratitude sit with that appreciation and if you still want more go ahead and get it fight for it mm,
0: yeah yeah and
1: I realize we we
0: could I could literally sit here talking for hours but I'm conscious of the time and one thing I want to ask every guest that I have on the podcast is around self-care and I know you're a busy Mm -hmm. mama too you're a businesswoman do you have like a self-care practice that you love to just look after you to fill up your cup and just have that bit of time for yourself so you then have an overflow for your gorgeous kids and your business what would be your favorite or one or two
1: things you'd like to do I'm going I'm to keep it so real. I just don't have the time at the moment. I, I try. Mm. I really do. Like this was me trying to give myself a red manicure and I painted my nails myself and it's chipped and crap already. I love a red manicure, mm. but I just don't have the time to get it um, at the moment. Um, yeah. I realized yesterday, over the last few days, I've been realizing that I haven't gone for a lot of walks lately. Um, I used to love walks but I don't go for them anymore and it's just because Daisy's nap times have changed or the way that childcare has worked out so I just quite often just don't have the time for it but it's funny that you've asked me that question because I've tried to in the last week really consciously change a lot of that because I'm starting to feel kind of things closing in on me a little bit lately I'm starting to feel quite overwhelmed and quite stressed out by life right now so I went out for a walk this morning I went to the gym yesterday morning and those things were wonderful so for me it's not really about creating a plan it's about being open to the opportunities that arise the little pockets of time in my day that arise and giving myself permission to actually do something that I know I will benefit from in the long term so I'm great for a little bit of Netflix during the day when Daisy's napping because I'm up since five or six I've done a million one things and I could still have clients to see that evening but is that Netflix really helping me probably not what would help me a 10 minute workout yep um what would help me um is Maybe preparing a dinner so they don't have to stress or worry about it when Billy comes home, that sort of stuff. So I, I wish I had a better answer for that, but it's something that I struggle with massively. So I just try to respond to the little moments of time that come my way whenever I can, and when I can, it's going to be a walk, it's going to be um, a session in the gym, it's going to be asking for help. That's a huge part of whatever self care I can I, I can I I can get into my life is just asking for help talking I'm probably going to book myself in to see a therapist over the course of the next week or so because I'm like the overwhelm has just gotten so much I need someone to talk to so that that for me will be a huge huge self-care thing just talking to someone about what's going on so yeah sorry typical mom of two answer for you there I don't have time for self-care
0: no you couldn't have given a better answer because the reason I like to ask as well is because everyone has a different day-to-day life has different things yeah. they have to yeah. do and like that self care is not the same for everyone and it's not like you said, like for me I'm lucky in that it's just me and my husband. I I don't have kids and I have the time now, but I'm very aware that it's it's a phase of my life and then when I have kids and mm. business may get busier and things like that. It will mm. be something that mm. I also have to just fit in if I can and there'll be times when I can so I think it's really good to to share all Mm. all sides of it and all perspectives because I know people listening there's definitely some of you guys who can relate to Sarah um yeah yeah Sarah where can we find you you? where where can we work with
1: you (laughs) (laughs) so you can find me on the better life ie. I am working on something really special at the moment that will help people to create highly successful careers and lives. Um, I want to help people improve clarity and confidence um, with what they want from their work and life but I also know that we're kind of busy and we've got a lot going on so I've created this free resource that if people wanted to um, download and to look at for tips and tricks for exercises, strategies, and one-liners, everything that we've spoken about during our session today or during our podcast today and more, the bachelorproject.ie forward slash cheat sheet, you'll be able to access that download there. And it'll just give you the how to do the thing that a lot of people tell you you need to do, but you just haven't done it yet. So if you've tried journaling, if you've tried mindfulness, if you've tried reading books, you know, if you're blue in the face from people saying you just got to believe in yourself more than this cheat sheet is for you because it'll just give you done for you strategies to help you give that, get that boost in confidence and to get the clarity that you need to take the next step forward. So it's a pretty cool cheat sheet. Um, if you want to check me out on Instagram, I'm Sarah underscore the better life project. I have a love hate relationship with Instagram, but at the moment I am loving it. So you will see me on there <laughs> quite frequently. <laughs> um, Yes, yeah, so that's the two places, website, newsletter um, and Instagram perfect and I I have the link down
0: in the show notes guys so you can find the cheat sheet and all of Sarah's contact details there but Sarah thank you so much I feel like I've learned so much from that that I'm like whoa I need to do some work thank
1: you for having me thank
0: you thank you so much Sarah